Have you thought about becoming a career coach, but not sure what it's really like? Not sure how to get started? Well, we've got you covered. Let's drop into this week's conversation of how to become a career coach. As we're wrapping up the season, I wanted to bring it back to the beginning for you and tie a bow on hosting my very first season of the How to Become a Career Coach podcast. Over the last episodes, you've heard from established career coaches practicing all types of with all types of people to even a current PCC student on what it's really like to get started. And looking back at each of these interviews, one thing remains constant. And that's no path is the same. Now, in the last episode of season three of the How to Become a Career Coach podcast, I can't believe it's the last episode. Uh, by the ending, this you know we're going to end it the same way we got started. And I'm bringing Scott Anthony Barlow, CEO of Happen to Your Career and founder of the Professional Career Coach Training and Certification, back on to talk about what makes successful career coaches what failures he's had along the way, and how the surprising place you should focus on your time if you want to become a phenomenal coach that truly helps out others and get insane results. Scott, excited to have you back on the podcast. I am excited to have this conversation, as always. You and I get to have conversations every single day, but we don't always get to record them and share them with the rest of the world. So this is an extra bit of fun for me. It's super fun. And I think maybe on the first episode of the season, I might have been your favorite guest. And maybe this is the chance we're flipping the switch that you are now my favorite guest. But to get to get more of it started, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on is, you know, you've had over 15 years of coaching experience and really have had the experience of training over 300 coaches. And so long story short, You've had a ton of experience and have seen many coaches, both both broke and successful. And looking at your experience, if you take a step back and look at a high level, what do you think makes a great coach? And who do you see become the most successful? Mm. You know, I love this question for a variety of reasons, partially because if you ask 10 different coaches, you're going to get 10 different answers overall. But also... I've noticed that there's a variety of things that crop up when you start looking at who are the coaches that get people the best results again and again and again. And I've, <laughs> I have trained, you know, hundreds of coaches, but I've also specifically just for career coaches, uh, I have talked to probably about 700 or so, give or take, um, maybe it's more than that at this point. And the reason I'm pointing that out is not because that's anything necessarily super amazing, but more so that's given me a huge broad set of inputs and experiences to see what what actually matters when it comes to uh, when it comes to making a great coach. So I think that there's almost um, two ways to look at that. You know, if your goal is to run a coaching business there are a whole different set of things that happen or need to happen rather and, and you know skills that need to be developed and uh, everything else and we can we can talk about that here in just a minute but if you are just looking at you know what makes someone a great coach then that is 
like I said, a separate set of answers. So one of the things that I've observed is those people who are truly phenomenal coaches are interested in not just, not just, you know, caring for their clients and not just getting people results, but also at the same time, they're very, very interested in what is insanely effective and what is the most insanely effective thing at any given time. This means that those people who are really, really great coaches are amazing at prioritization. They're just phenomenal. They're some of the best in the world at prioritization. Because if you really think about it and just break down it, yes, I know, you know, coaching at its core is asking really powerful questions and, you know, all of the other things that, that we consider coaching to be. But if you really, if you really just kind of pull off all the layers of the onion and, you know, push back the fluff and whatever, insert your you know, funny statement here. And it's just about helping people focus on what matters the most, what matters most for whatever area that you're coaching them on. And if you're not very good at prioritization as a coach or for yourself, then you're going to find that it's really, really difficult, even so much more difficult to try and do that in a series of conversations with your clients. So that is one thing that I found that separates just absolutely amazing coaches from the rest. And interestingly enough, to be able to be really, really great at prioritization, you also have to have a broad-based knowledge level as well in whatever area that you're coaching on. You don't have to know, like if, I don't know, let's give you an example. You know, we, we help people all the time on our team make career transitions from lots of different industries. At this point, it's probably, you know, it's probably approaching a couple thousand industries uh, that we've worked with or, you know, help people work uh, into or out of or whatever else. And, you know, just take an example of that, like somebody transitioning out of the financial industry and moving into the you know, technology industry. Yeah, that's that's one that we've seen several times over. And I don't necessarily need to know everything about the technology industry or the financial industry in order to help that in that person. But I do need to know enough about how, uh, how some of the basics work for uh, being able to connect with people and particularly, you know, how people operate in the financial industry to make some educated guesses about how I'm going to help my client prioritize. So uh, this prioritization piece is really, really important. But the second piece is just having a level of practice and knowledge for all of the areas that apply to how you want to help. So, you know, we, um, a while back, it's been years ago, helped a, helped a client, his name was David Mariano, and we helped him get started in in finance, actually, you know, I mentioned finance before, but this is actually for people going into finance. So there's a lot of people that want to move into uh, finance as a, as a career in one way or another. And, you know, he, he, I think was able to do really, really well at this because he didn't know everything in finance. He'd worked in the industry, uh, but he did have a level of knowledge that was different 
than your average coach in one way or another. And he also definitely had the ability to prioritize so he could utilize that knowledge in a different way and help his clients focus on what mattered most as they wanted to transition into the financial industry or even promote inside the financial industry. So, you know, that's a really basic example, but those are some areas that I've seen. Um, <laughs> there, you know, Philip, I think that there's another thing that people don't really think of when they think about becoming a successful coach. And first of all, it's uh, <laughs> It depends on what you consider to be successful. Uh, I know you and I talk a lot about like how do we help people get results that they want, that they're coming to us for. So we place a lot of emphasis on success in that area. But I think that uh, a lot of people don't really think about like how do you how do you measure that? It, it's it, in some ways difficult to measure that. So one of the things that we do behind the scenes. Um, every single time I've ever heard about this, this is like, okay, we're doing our job <laughs> really, really well. If we hear about somebody that is, that we've worked with that is making a career change and they have turned down a job offer, you know, I would consider that a huge success because we're not just helping them transition to new careers, even though we call it, you know, career changers. And uh, that's a lot of what we do. It happens in your career. However, we're helping them transition to work that is much more meaningful, allows them to live a different kind of life. It allows them to you know, be able to keep the salary that they were making prior to the career change or even make more. And it allows them to live a much more fulfilling life. And one of the things that we found is if you go back to that prioritization that I mentioned before is if they're not clear on what matters most to them, they're not going to be effectively able to say no to the things that they don't really line up with the type of life and career that they want to lead. And so if they're doing such a great job, uh, or rather our coaches on our team are doing such a great job of helping them prioritize to the point where they can say, you know what, I clearly understand and can articulate exactly what I want to need. And this doesn't line up with that. This job offer, this opportunity that's right in front of me does not line up with that. So I'm going to say no to it, even though it's right there in front of me and it looks like a good opportunity and all the things that happen when you get a job offer. You know, if we're doing that well, then that's a huge, huge win. So that, that, measurement of success uh, is something that we do. But I think that that's important because um, great coaches understand what success looks like for their clients. And often those that do that really, really well have weird things like that, like I just described, like turning down a job offer is what success looks like. Uh, they they know and can articulate clearly, and it's often surprising, like the turning down the job offer. So there's just a couple examples of what I think makes an amazing coach and allows people to become the most successful. There's one other too, but um, we can dive into it more as well later. But I think focusing on the on the basics, and happy to expand on that later if if that's useful here. Instead of trying to go off and you know search for the shiny things, 
instead of trying to go off and search for like the next best technique and just continuing to learn for the sake of learning instead of really like mastering the basics. And, um, and that's, that's one other piece of it as well. What are your, what are your thoughts? What else you know, would you add I, to that list that I missed? I, I share that so much. And I, it's something we talk about behind the scenes so much about prioritization, but really understanding what is the most important thing to your client um, and really be able to articulate articulate that. And good coaches can have the, the ability to do that, but also do it in the words of uh, their client. It's something that we've actually just talked about this week. What are the actual words that they use? And you would you wouldn't think about it and, you know, kind of teasing all the stuff that's coming up a little bit of my questions for you, Scott. Um, it's, it's so insanely simple. Mostly one of the things is, is keeping the most important thing, the most important thing. It's that prioritization piece and the ability, you know, just to echo a couple of things that, that you said and, and add a little bit more I, that I, in my, in my opinion, I, I feel like that's, that is one of the most important things because it gives people the ability to be heard and be listened to, but also know that either from, from the ability of, of coaching or communicating with them or in your sessions to also know that you as the, as their coach are really have their back through the process and that you as the coach have their back throughout the entire process. In other words, you're keeping the, the number one priority, the number one priority within your sessions, but the overall umbrella from the start of, of once you uh, begin working with them as a coach to the end of the process that you begin ending working with them as a coach, you've kept that entire what success looks like for them at the top of the mind. So it's helping working, working your client through their problems, but also making sure that you keep reminding them why this work is important what we're doing next and really when does this need to happen to accomplish those bigger goals it's it's just funny because we always think it's going to be this big fancy like mercedes pulling up it's like oh here's the fancy thing that you're going to do but actually it's really just very simple but kind of shifting gears a little bit too because i getting the opportunity to host this season of the how to become a career coach podcast i really um I had the opportunity to, to, uh, to chat with a lot of amazing coaches with a lot of really great backgrounds. And one of the biggest takeaways that I had, which is kind of the obvious point, is that most of them weren't overnight success successes. It what? took them years. Hold on. <laughs> right. For it, real? <laughs> it wasn't like, a, oh, well, I'm going to to figure this out and I'm going to open up my coaching business next month and then it's going to launch. I'm going to get clients and blah, blah, blah. Or even sometimes I'm going to launch at the beginning of this year and then to the next year. It took them years of the process. And one thing that I found endlessly fascinating was that all of them had different struggles and they also got to it in very different ways. And keep in mind, these were real struggles from seeing unforeseen setbacks to burnout, to depression, to then having to, to get really resourceful and then retool based on the route that they were going. So where I was curious for you, Scott, is would you mind sharing maybe a failure that you've had or maybe what seemed like a failure at the time and then how'd you overcome it? 
Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I would not mind at all. You know, I'm thinking because <laughs> I really feel very strongly like we're constantly failing every single day. And I know people say things like that, but no, for real, like we are constantly doing stuff that doesn't work within within our business, within our company every single day. I feel like pretty much most of my day is just going from, you know, failure to failure, even on the stuff that is successes. Like it is, you know, pushing the bar and then discovering that something doesn't work, even though most people would look at it and say, yeah, that's a success. Uh, but then getting to a tiny bit of things that do work, getting to the just small percentage of things that do work well so that you could find that, dig that out and then, and then be able to focus on those more and more and give it more attention and make it better and then fail in making it better. And then, yeah, that's, that is the process over and over again. And that is, that is my, um, I'm going to say my world in the last, you know, however many years it's been. So uh, yes, lots to choose from, but let me give you a few that I think might be really useful as you're listening to this. One, when I first started out (laughs) deciding, okay, way back when my my wife and I uh, had decided, okay, well, I'm going to go back to owning a business because I don't own a business prior. I don't own a painting business and did really, really pretty well with that, especially since I was just, you know, in college at the time and, you know, had 25 people that worked w- for me on my cruise and everything like that at one point, which sounds like a lot, but, um, but it was mostly, you know, over the summer so I could ski and snowboard in, you know, in Tahoe in the off winter and everything along those lines. But you know, my point here is that it wasn't my first business and I got a taste of that and wanted more uh, in one way or another. And as my wife and I realized that we wanted to build a different kind of life than what we had been up to that point when I had been digging deeper and deeper into HR leadership and had a variety of opportunities right in front of me with the organization that I was working with at the time, which was awesome. They were phenomenal to me. And we made the decision that I, uh, I was going to go back to owning a business and we didn't know exactly what that was going to look like, but somewhere along the way, I realized I was already doing coaching with people for their careers. And that had been happening for free. And, you know, many people had started writing and saying, Hey, thank you. And I had a whole bunch of thank you notes and they had been sending me Starbucks gift cards and saying, Hey, how much can I pay you for this? And that was the point in time where I realized, okay, you know what? This is, this is maybe it could be a thing. So after declared that, Hey, this is what I wanted to do, you know, fast forward a few months. It's like, okay, how am I going to do this? Well, obviously I need to build a website, right? Because I need to look professional and I, and then, so I actually started out and doing that exact thing. And then I also, at the same time, as I was building the website, it's like, okay, well, what would be a grandiose way to launch this? How can I like launch this really big? And then I hit upon something called Indiegogo, which is a lot like Kickstarter. If you've ever heard of Kickstarter, where you can crowdfund and you can crowdfund new products. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to do this Indiegogo thing and I'm going to launch the podcast and I'm going to launch the website and all of these other things. And we're going to do that all through Indiegogo. And I probably sunk, 
four months worth of work into all of those things and realized only afterwards it probably would have been so, so much better. Instead of, you know, going out and finding a graphic designer and then paying the graphic designer to, you know, design me a logo, which we now no longer use, uh, you know, much, much later. Uh, instead of trying to figure out how to work my way through work WordPress and spending, I spent like someplace between like 40 and 70 hours doing that. Uh, instead of trying to figure out like, how do I get the website to look like we've got a huge team and all kinds of other things like that. And so that I'm not embarrassed and, uh, in this new transition that I am going through, it, I probably would have been so much better off just going out and, and helping people or going out and, you know, speaking to a couple small groups or being able to continue to connect with people like I had done previously and meet with them in Starbucks and just give them advice and, you know, actually take on a couple of, uh, a couple of practice clients or a couple of paid clients even instead of going to four months worth of work to make it look like I was doing so much more than I actually was in terms of helping. So that I, I think is one of, it's one of the biggest mistakes as I look backwards and the reason I'm pointing that out here is because I see so many new coaches going through that new or that exact same type of transition. And honestly, it's a, it's a bit of a struggle. Like when you're going from, you know, like I was in HR leadership and I was now beginning to call myself a career coach. It's like, oh, I've got this, you know, career coaching thing and I'm doing it on the side. And like, I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a career coach. And then I am trying to reconcile with that. And one of the ways that I sort of coped with that was by putting tons of time and effort into the website. And I just realized now, only much later, that that probably was not a good use of time. And especially now that we've helped so many coaches along the way where like we don't, some of them don't even need a website. Like we have, we have several coaches that we've worked with that, still don't have a website to this day, but they have more, way more clients than many, many, many coaches that I've seen out there that do have this beautifully professionally designed website. It looks amazing and whatever else. And I'm not saying you, you know, I'm not ragging on websites or anything along those lines and uh, not saying websites are bad, but instead what I'm saying is often when you're starting out, that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is getting to the point where you can help other people. And rarely does your website bring you other people without a whole bunch of additional work doing things like creating content. You know, for example, like we're talking on a podcast right now, like our Happen to Your Career podcast, which is a different podcast. You're welcome to go and you know, search Happen to Your Career and you can listen to that. That is, that is where we find like 90% of people that we work with that happen to your career in our career coaching business. And, you know, that is, yes, it does eventually lead them to the website, but like, unless you have a couple of those things, like, you know, a source where you're going to reach your clients uh, to connect up with the website, then really the website isn't doing that much for you. So, okay. What I would say, instead of doing it how I did it, focus first on just helping people instead. And in you know, what way can you do that in very, very small, you know, small micro, 
micro actions in many different ways? Is that taking on a few other practice clients, you know, even friends? Is that going to someone that you've worked with in a pro bono capacity and having a conversation with them like, hey, you know what? This has been so fun helping you. And I'm so glad that you got a lot out of it. I'd love to continue to help. And uh, I am switching to paid from, from here on out. And if you want to continue to have help, I'm happy to talk with you about what that could look like going forward. If you need to go have that type of conversation, that may be far, 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 far more effective than draining 40 hours into a website or <laughs> in many of the other things that I did along the way. So there's a, there's an example of a failure and that was <laughs> great learning for me because now we get to help many other people with that focus on what matters instead. And, you know, I know that you and I have spent a bunch of time talking about this, Philip, but like, even when we're guiding career coaches through the process of building a website for those who it is appropriate for, we're only helping them build out like a super basic set of four functional pages that every single one of them has a very specific purpose in being able to build relationship or bring new clients into the business. And, you know, that is, that's all that's needed for most coaches that even actually do need a website for one reason or another within their business. So, and I, I, I would love to ask you the same question. I'm super curious because I don't think I've ever asked you this question. So I'm, I'm totally turning the tables on you a little bit today. I know you're supposed to be interviewing me, but I'm curious, like, what would you say for a failure for yourself? I, you know, Scott, I, I think the rule going forward, anytime you ask me that question is just what did I do? And then take that. And that's exactly the same thing that, that Philip did because my website was also my failure. I think I maybe mentioned it on this very podcast. Um, if not to many of the people that we got the, we get the opportunity to work with is I spent four, six months like going over my website and it was the prettiest website. It had my brand colors. I hired a designer. I got a copywriter because I, me and copywriting, we're not friends very well. It, it, it's, it's a very difficult thing for me. It takes practice, of course. However, I did the same thing that, that you did, Scott, in that I um, had my website built. I was at my full-time job. I showed it to people. I was like, hey, here's I'm, I'm launching a career coaching business on the side. Look at my pretty website. And then I would bring it up on my phone and, oh, look how great it looks like on mobile. So you can click these things and click. And you can schedule a call with me with Calendly. Have you heard of that scheduling software? Of course you haven't because it's so fancy. And so like I was putting all this this effort into essentially kind of making myself feel valid or credible or like I was actually doing it when in fact I was just really building a really pretty website and not actually helping really anybody or coaching anybody. So I did that for months until uh, my coach pushed me on the most important thing, the same kind of tying it back to the last question of when we're, when we're looking to people becoming coaches are really the first steps that new coaches can take is what's the simplest thing that you can do. And that's, what Scott reminds me of so many times <laughs> is how how can this look simple or what would this look like if it was simple and essentially helping people or getting the opportunity to work with people. And so, I mean, Scott and I are very similar. We're both, you can't see us, but we're both wearing light blue shirts right now, which is not, and it's not the first time this has actually happened. <laughs> 
This is maybe like the third or fourth time now. Clearly, we need to coordinate before you know showing up to uh, any place really. Oh, you know what else is funny about that though? So I, uh, I didn't know that we made the same mistakes. That's that's really interesting. Um, and apparently, we're going to keep making the blue shirt mistake. But I actually had somebody who I respect a whole bunch tell me not to do that, not to do all the Indiegogo campaign and not to do all the other things. And I'm so hard headed that I'm like, you know, I hear what you're saying. And I, I felt like I was so far into it. Like, like, yes, this makes sense, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. Like maybe it'll turn out really great for me. It did not. It did not. My, uh, my mom contributed to the Indiegogo campaign and a few friends did we probably had a strangely like i can't believe we had you know over 30 people 30 maybe 40 people or something contributed to the campaign uh which was pretty cool but also it would have been a lot better if we were just helping people instead and that would have been a lot more profitable too you know, looking back on a you know dollar for dollar time usage as well and uh you know that person who told me um he basically told me that you know, why, why are you doing that? Why don't you just like start the podcast or why don't you just like, you know, go start coaching? <laughs> like, why don't you just go do these things? Like, it sounds like you've done it before. Um, that was actually Dan Miller, who I have a ton of respect for. Uh, Dan runs a great business in his own right and has done a lot of coaching through the years too. And Dan was very nice in how he said it actually. <laughs> yeah. I basically took it as, hey, this sucks and you need to do something different. But he, he put it much more eloquently than that. But yeah, he was right. Totally right. And I hope to pass that on to you. Hopefully you won't ignore uh, Dan's advice the same way that, that I did. It's the same thing that both Scott and I share. I was also very hard headed at the time. But, you know, tying it back to the, the first the first question I was asking you before we hit record, we were chatting a little bit more about our current PCC students and even some of our past PCC students, and that's our professional career coach certification and training program. And we were talking about these individuals and really how proud we are of them and, and how much they've grown through the process of becoming a coach. And one of the points that I wanted to bring to our listeners is really the same thing we've been saying over and over again about how important it is to master the art of the basics. And which is really the opposite of a lot of the advice that you hear. And honestly, the advice that you just heard me and Scott say, no, nah, you know what? We're going to build these fancy things. So I wanted to ask you a little bit more and kind of dive into those pieces before about um, mastering the art of the basics and why we believe it's so important for coaches. This is, <laughs> I can spend hours on this. I'm not going to spend hours on it. However, I think something that's really relevant is there's a lot of research out there at this point that we don't know about necessarily. There's a, it gets, it's gotten a little bit of popularity. I think the most commonly known um, uh, research based book about mastery and how that works is the one that was written by Malcolm Gladwell. And most people know it as the 10,000 hours book, even though that's not the title of it at all. Uh, the, um, it had a totally different title and totally escaping me now that, uh, now that I say it out loud. Oh yeah, it's Outliers, Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. 
And in it, he talks about you know, Anders Ericsson and some of the research that he had done for typically mastery in any one area or another often takes close to 10,000 hours. And that's what's stuck in many people's brains. However, there's a lot more to it than that. Your path to mastery is about being able to do what Andrew Zerkson calls focused practice. And focused practice is about two things. One, you're actively focusing on improving one particular area as you're practicing, or excuse me, as you're developing. And at the same time, you're getting a continuous source of useful feedback along the way too. So it's about, you know, let's actually have a you know, focused intensive practice on whatever it is and getting the feedback too. So the same thing is true when you're becoming a coach. And what we find is that very, 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 very few coaches go to the time and effort to get that focused intensive practice. And that's something that is really, really important. And I see that. I see that with coaches that we hire on our team. Those that have had that are really, really phenomenal coach. Uh, many, many people that we get applying for those types of positions and interested in those types of positions as we get them into you know, actual situations, we realize that they, they haven't had that and they don't get the same level of results and they don't know how to get the same level of results. So two things I would encourage you to think about. One, those people who are truly great at coaching are those who have brought mastery to the basics. It is so much more fun, so much more fun in some cases to learn about the next, you know, the next coaching technique that I can apply and everything else along those lines versus going back to, you know, one of the things that we've created to make it really simple along the way. We have this coaching conversations model and it, that is just, it's, it's just exactly what it sounds like. It is a very basic five-part model to structure a conversation that works every single time and getting really, really great at using a very simple model like that and understanding how to make it work for you and spending tons of time and effort and getting the feedback. You know, that's something that uh, when we're teaching coaches how to, how to develop coaching mastery, we're giving them focused and intensive feedback along the way because we know that that's what makes them great coaches and there's so much research out there on it. But that is so much faster of a path and so much more effective of a path compared to learning the next shiny thing. It's gonna get your clients better results. It's going to allow you to have more fun in the long term as you're having those client interactions. It is going to, it's gonna be harder learning it. It's gonna be harder actually getting to that point, to be quite honest. And in some cases, it might be uh, less fun like going and getting that, that focused practice uh, compared to, you know, compared to, uh, you know, learning about, I was trying to think of something off the top of my head. I was trying to think what the most recent you know, coaching technique was that I learned, like learning about how to, you know, sh uh, <laughs> dance in the moment, I guess, uh, you know, or something along those lines. Um, that, that can be, you know, really useful. However, it doesn't get you the same type of results. It doesn't get your clients the same type of results. It's becoming really, really phenomenal at those basics. So we've now seen that again and again with many people that we've worked with. And obviously there's a huge breadth of 
uh, of research on it as well. And it's, it's not just true for coaching. These are things that you can carry over to nearly anything else too. But that's, that's what I would say. You know, those are the, those are the biggest reasons to focus on the basics and master them rather than continue to dig in and dig in and dig in. Now, here's the crazy thing about it. Like we were talking about earlier, like how do you just get to the part where you're helping more people and you can do this really, really easily by saying, okay, I'm just going to focus on my conversations. I'm just going to focus on getting better and trying to say, okay, before I go into this conversation, here's the piece where I'm going to, here's the piece where I'm going to focus on improvement. I'm going to just focus on at the end of the conversation, making sure that I have agreement, complete and total agreement on what the next action steps are coming out of the conversation. And, you know, I'm just going to do that one thing this time around. And I'm going to do that for, you know, three conversations in a row, three coaching calls in a row. And then, you know, being able to get feedback on that too. One of the ways that we do that in our, and when we're certifying people is we'll actually have people record those conversations and then they'll send them to a mentor coach that they're working with. They get permission from, they get permission from the people that they're working with to share those calls, but uh, they will then work with their mentor coach to go through that conversation piece by piece and get feedback on the areas that they're trying to master, which is pretty cool. And it also causes you to become a rapidly better coach than if you're just sort of winging it each time or talking generally like, Hey, you know, here's what I did in this other session. And, and it seemed kind of, okay, what should I do instead? That's way different than having a mentor coach say, Hey, I heard you say this in the conversation, something that might allow you to be able to get commitment faster when you are trying to get agreement uh, at the end of calls for the purpose of action, you know, next action steps is this. Try saying this instead. Could you do that? All right. How are you going to integrate that into your next conversation? It's just two totally different types of uh, and levels of you know, feedback that allow you to accelerate differently if you have that more focused and intensive feedback, which gets you to mastery faster, as it turns out. And there's no shortcut to mastery, but there are more effective paths. I think that's such a, a powerful thing to and and this episode and the final episode of season three is the, the deliberate practice and how really essential it is to mastering the basics, but also getting really to be a really good coach and really help your clients get results. So wrapping everything up, Scott, I want to say thank you very much for coming on today's episode, but also giving me this opportunity to host the season three of the How to Become a Career Coach podcast episode. So from a very personal note, I wanted to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being willing to. We had talked about this beforehand and you know, I pitched you the idea and I was I was really excited that you were excited about it. And I think it's been a ton of fun and it has been really very 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 cool to see you know, some of the some of the conversations that you've been able to have and bring to our listeners along the way. So Thank you. Of course, and very excited, but also extremely nervous when I first started too. But doing these these interviews and really getting the chance to connect with so many coaches, one of the things that I found very, very helpful is that all of them were extremely generous. And coaches in general 
are very generous. And you might have even heard me on the podcast say, I found some new best friends. And I genuinely meant that. So I encourage you and challenge some of those people like you who out there are a little bit bold to contact and connect with them directly or even connect with Scott or myself directly. And if you're thinking about becoming a coach, really there's no better time because everything's changing. And the people who need you and need your talent, they're out there. So wrapping up season three of the How to Become a Career Coach podcast, we're signing off and we'll see you in season four. Thanks for listening to How to Become a Career Coach. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe in your favorite podcast player. For more resources, go to becomeacareercoach.com. Thank you.